0: You're listening to episode 96 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I have a special gift of thanks. As we're leading into Thanksgiving, I wanted to thank y'all for faithfully listening. I've been putting these little episodes out there for the last two years. And, you know, I didn't know what God was going to do with it. I didn't know if this was going to be a thing. I remember when I started, I didn't even take the time or invest the money in getting a mic. I just recorded them straight from my computer. Just did what I could to get something out there and use um, the gifts and the relationships that God's given me to help those who were able to listen. And it's just amazing what God's done. So here's my gift. It's a mashup. And usually we think of a mashup of songs. Uh, Who doesn't love a good song mashup, but this is all the parenting wisdom uh, in one place. Some women and men who are directing our hearts to God, there's an overwhelming theme of grace. Oh, grace. Amazing grace. And what is it practically, what does it really look like in our day in and our day out? Hopefully, you also pick up on the fact that it starts with us. It starts with our relationship with God It starts with relying on him to keep ourselves calm and recognizing that he's working behind the scenes in the lives of our children. So first up, we're going to talk about the topic of anger and yelling. And um, you're going to hear from Sally Clarkson, my mom heart mentor, Leslie Johnson, my four boy mom mentor, and September McCarthy, mother of 10. Some great words here from some lovely, lovely ladies. Here we go.
1: I think depression can be a normal part mm. of the seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all of us feel like I'm failing. I'm not doing enough. I can't believe I screamed at my children yesterday again. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the older I get, the more grateful I am that I understand how gracious God is. Yeah. And um, I think sometimes just discouragement and depression can um, can really overwhelm a mom and feel like she's the only one who's ever felt that way. Yeah. No, nope, we all feel out of control, and none of us were trained for the job, and we weren't made to do it alone, and most of us are alone.
2: Oh, well, one of my children had a hard time with potty training, and I <clears throat> kind of lost it with him one time and just like kind of yelled really loud at him you know, why do you keep pipping in your pants? Ugh. Yeah, and it was so horrible because he just with his big blueberry eyes, just looked at me and said, because that's the way God made me mommy. <laughs> I thought, Oh my gosh, it's so awful. So I had to just really ask him for forgiveness and just hold him and hug on him and just realize, so oh, blessing that was a very bad mommy moment. Um, and just, confess really. I think it's really important with your children when you do say things that are hurtful or when you do lose it, that you just are quick to to ask them to forgive you and to yeah. say, hey, I'm not perfect and uh, mommy makes mistakes and will you please forgive me? And I think that's a good thing for our kids to see that we're not perfect and that yeah. we do make mistakes and to just acknowledge it right then and there and make it right.
3: Um, I think what would I tell a woman that um, thinks that every other mom has it together well I would tell her number one that we've all gone through every single emotion that they've gone through and I, I don't know one mom who hasn't raised her voice and um, you know just to be real I would say my first 10 years of motherhood I was a yeller I, I was a yeller like I could not I would get so infuriated and so upset And that was the emotion that I displayed instead of like fuming inside or stomping away or um, I would just, you know, have these outbursts like, why did you do that and what were you thinking? And um, it was an amazing, um, I can remember the the year of this complete transformation and it wasn't by any goodwill of my own, but realizing that um, I had had destroyed part of my daughter's heart with this and I could Mm -hmm. see it like it was that moment when you see that in your child's eyes where – Wow, what did I just do? What did mm-hmm. what just happened there? And they completely shut that part of their communication down with you. Mm-hmm. And I um, remember walking to my room and just like literally, my hands were on my head, and I was just bawling, crying, saying, "I ca- how do I fix this? I cannot fix this." I continually say, "I don't want to yell. I don't want to react this way," but it keeps happening. What mm-hmm. can I do differently? And I have to intentionally um, make make a way to, um, change this, but it was really God who did it. He took, he completely took that from me. And, um, when I look back on that, I think what a transformation, it wasn't really all in my undoing, but I had to take practical steps and God had to do a huge work in my heart. It was really all about my heart, but yeah, I make mistakes and I have many, many bad mom moments. Okay. So so
0: I'm year, what my oldest will be nine in August and I've totally spent the last nine years yelling. So mm-hmm. w- can you give us a few of those
3: practical steps? <laughs> like I'm sitting yeah, here, pins yeah, ready, and- pens ready, whatever practical <laughs> steps. So here's, what I, I remember very distinctly happening is the first thing that would happen to me, I think when I would react is that I was reacting because I was upset that, I felt that they were doing something they knew better. Mm. So I had to change I had to change my way of thinking and think, They're children, they're children, they're children. This is my job to show them the way, to show mm. them the way. And this is definitely not the way, the way I'm reacting. I had to begin training myself to do this. I would stand there and I would feel the anger or the frustration and I would turn my back to her. And I would walk away, and I would leave the moment. I wouldn't even respond to her. I mean, I wanted to. I wanted to say something. So the first thing I did was I would learn to just turn my back and walk out of the room. Mm. And it was literally like an amazing, freeing thing. And if I felt like I had to keep walking, I would walk up the steps or out the front door, wherever I needed to, until I was able to think clearly. Because, mm. you know, when we're when we're, we're reacting that way, we're not really – thinking we 're just like mm. saying our emotions, mm. and um you know our god 's ways are better than our ways our our thinking isn't always what it should
0: be, Sally reminded us that sometimes depression comes because we we are doing a lot, and we can feel alone, and I want you to know that if that 's you, if you're the one who's angry and you're yelling, you're not alone, we have all like September said experienced those emotions, and like Leslie said, we can ask for forgiveness, and there's hope that we can do something about it. We can make changes. So next up, we have Kirk Martin. He is uh, a speaker at CelebrateCalm.com. You can find more from him. So here are some thoughts and some practical tips from Kirk.
4: And I spent the first nine years of his life telling my wife, if your son would just do what I said, when I said and how I said it, you no, know, I would be a great father. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I kept thinking it was all him. It's all him. It's all him. And I started hearing this kind of st- still small voice in my head saying, you know, what if your son is made like that on purpose? Mm. And what if by trying to change him, you're actually frustrating my purposes for your son? And then the killer question I heard was, well, what if instead of changing your son's behavior, you need to change? Mm. And I'm a guy, I don't like to change, you know, it's my yeah. way or the highway. Yeah. And And slowly I began to realize, the quickest way to change my child's behavior was to first control my own. Just sit. Like Next time some, the situation begins to escalate, sit in a chair, sit on the floor, cross your legs. It changes the dynamic because now you are not standing over the child with your tight jaw and your tone of voice like this. Mm. And you're sitting and it sends a message of, I'm in complete control of myself. Mm. I'm not going to escalate. And it actually makes a more intense emotional child feel very safe because he knows, oh, the 29-year-old mother, the 40-year-old dad is not going to freak out now. Mm. I'm freaking out, but they're not freaking out. I think everything's going to be okay. You no, know I'll give you a, a, a quick one. Child starts yeah. to melt down. Yeah. You know, you've got a couple options. One is to say, young lady, young man, I do not have time for this. Get up off the floor right now. Yeah. Which just tends to trigger, right? This the, It makes them more upset because you're getting upset. And so a quick little process to go through. One is just to always realize I can only control one person in life and that's me. And so my first thought in any situation is, I can't control this other person. I can control myself. So that's when I may sit down. So physically, I sit down. In my tone of voice, I go to a very even matter of fact tone. And I know that's hard because in the moment, you're just like, would you please just... Mm -hmm. But in the moment, I go to And here's something that moms will recognize and really like is the power of acknowledgement, acknowledging what's going on. Hey, Trevor, I can tell you're really frustrated right now. Because I guarantee all the moms listening, that's all you want from your husband once in a while to say, I totally get why you're frustrated. And that's all you want. You don't need them to fix it or offer suggestions. You just want to acknowledge, Trevor, I totally get it. You're frustrated. Because that's calming right there to him. And as you begin to speak in this voice, it will actually calm you down because you're not ignoring it and you're not running from it, but you're addressing it and you're doing it in more of a leadership, Mm -hmm. right, a more leadership tone of like, hey, totally get what's going on. You're frustrated right now. And then I may lead the child to a different action because just saying, hey, you need to calm down right now. Mm-hmm. He's going to look at you like, Mom, <laughs> apparently you don't know how to calm down either. Yeah. So we're in trouble. And I don't, I'm not a huge fan of putting really intense kids in time out to think about their actions because they can't think when they're upset and it mm-hmm. will tend to make them more upset. And a lot of these kids, to be honest, the more challenging kids have a lot of shame inside. Mm-hmm. Motion changes emotion. So motion or movement, when kids get upset, I like to get them moving somehow because you can't think your way out Mm -hmm. of being really upset when you're a little kid. And so for little kids, I'll give you a couple examples. I may say, hey, Trevor, tell you are really frustrated. Hey, do me a favor. Dump your Legos out on the floor. In 22 seconds, I'll come in and I'll build a spaceship with you Mm. because he's upset and frustrated about something. Well, I don't know how to deal with that frustration, but I can build with my Legos, and it's very tactile. And tactile things—you mentioned one of your boys, kind of the, with the sensory issues. Yeah, yeah, playing with tactile things in the hands is very calming. Hmm. I may, with a little kid, I may, I may lead the child to calm. So, picture a three-year-old, six-year-old, thirteen-year-old girl—doesn't matter—rolling around on the floor, upset, rather than address. Her behavior first I address my own and I sit down or stand and just start coloring or drawing because it's very therapeutic for me to color and I'll hold up a crayon and see now if you can picture this in your kitchen or wherever I'm drawing and leading the child to my calm place so I'm holding up the crayon and as they come and disrespectfully grab the crayon, because that's what they're going to do yeah. in a moment. But as they start to color, now I have an adult and a child together, not one cent away, right? Because we usually say, go to your room, mm-hmm. which, is, which is fine. But in the long run, I actually want to draw. See, I want to draw kids to me when they're upset. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that's what God does for us. He doesn't say, hey, go work out your issues and then come talk to me. Mm-hmm. He says, I can tell you're really frustrated because you've got wrong perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you come talk to me right now, I'll help get you better perspective and I'll help you. Sometimes parents want good behavior so badly that they get too invested in it, right? Yes. And oh, when your, yes, totally. And when your kids hear that, Trevor, do you, why do you have to always? Yes. When we start to whine, we're so invested in it. They know it's irritating you. Mm. And so part of the reason they keep doing it is it gives them some control. And mm. quite honestly, it's fun to mm. irritate a grown-up and know that I'm seven and I'm now in control of both adults in the home because your kids will get you and your husband fighting very quickly. Yeah, Because hubby thinks you just need to be tougher on them and mom mm. tries to be understanding. And then so when I, I'm not – the way I look at kids' behavior – a couple ways. I'm an impartial um, giver of wisdom. My job is to say, hey guys, here's some wisdom for you. If you continue to make this choice, I promise you this will be the consequence. However, if you make this choice, which I know you're capable of, here will be the consequence as well. I'm okay with either choice as long as you clearly understand the parameters. There's something about that tone and yeah. putting it in their court and not owning it, yeah, that lets them own it versus me threatening and being on them all the time, which is in effect, I'm owning it.
0: Oh man, every time I talk with Kirk, I'm challenged to do things a little bit differently than my innate nature wants to. And I care so much about my kids' good behavior, and they know how invested I am that. Uh, he he just helps me to stay calm. If you want to hear more from Kirk, all those clips were from episode 62. He also came back on in episode 69. He talked about the strong-willed child. Episode 77, we talked about some summer and sibling issues. In episode 88, we talked about school stress. Next up, I have some clips from Jeannie Cunyon. He was the author of The Wholehearted Child and another one from Sally Clarkson, and then Jim and Lynn Jackson of Connected Families, they are all going to talk to uh, this formula we sometimes go to for parenting and how that can actually serve us wrong. So here we go.
5: When I look at my earlier days of parenting, I realized that I was I was so busy trying to perfect it mm. that I wasn't able to enjoy it. Yeah, uh, Like the joy was gone. It was all about how I was going to get it right and they were going to get it right. Yeah. Uh, No matter what. And yeah, so it was, you know, there was yelling. I was angry. I was um, I was I would get very down like at Mm. night when I would put the kids down to bed and my husband would come home and find me curled up on the couch, you know, having another pity party. And
1: Mm. Um, I am a wild eyed dreamer. I like to have fun. I like to uh, be inspired. And then there's all this mess and dishes and Socks and fusses, <laughs> and so I think that um, we live somewhere between our ideals and our reality, but um, mm. oh, I don't think it's a formula for anything. I think it's more of a philosophy of loving well and um, learning to um, to understand different personalities, dealing with boys differently than with girls, and mm. Really, I get to be a free agent in my home to exercise my faith in my own unique way with my own limitations and Um, I think all these um, books or ministries that have checklists or formulas are just going to make moms feel guilty and frustrated because it's more about a relationship um, with yourself and with your children, with your life, than it is with a checklist. And I think checklists would absolutely choke me.
6: (laughs) Parents, you said that that what we do encourages parents um, rather than making them feel like they can't do the formula right. And, I mean, that's where we started, too. We started with, with uh, as, as parents of young kids, we wanted to get it right, and we went to the resources. And there was all kinds of resources that, you know, that, that told us about the importance of passing our faith, but then went right to how to deal with kids' misbehavior in order to get them to obey. Like that's the that's the main goal of parenting as we sort of read it and distilled it from all the different resources. And if you've got a strong-willed child, you gotta get them to obey, you gotta break their will. And if you've got kids that are out of control in different places, you know, you gotta demand obedience and you gotta be the parent and it's gotta be the first time. And all of this focus was on getting kids to obey and yet there was this big picture thing like that tapped into our hearts so the introduction of almost every one of these books was like yeah we want kids who will embrace faith and know jesus and have compassion for the world and we had these great big picture desires for our kids but then right away these books would tend to go into sort of behavior management programs how to get our kids to behave so that when they learn to obey then they can embrace god's heart and that just left us feeling discouraged, like we couldn't get it right. We never did, and and we we'd follow the method, and it wouldn't go the way the book said it should. And then we felt defective and discouraged as parents. And the, we we kind of figured out early on, and then as we started working with other people's kids and their parents, um, that there was this this overarching, especially in the church, for for the for the parents who had big challenges that the the typical things didn't work for. There was this overarching discouragement. Well, we want to encourage people, and by encourage, it's not, you know, nag them or, or, or give them the right formula, but fill them with courage to be a different sort of a parent. And the different sort of a parent is a parent who who's, who admits right out loud, I can't get this right. And honestly, by, by being able to say that and say that I'm dependent on Jesus and I'm going to blow it, and we say that to ourselves and we say it to our kids, we, we create a foundation of grace for ourselves. Right away. But here's what I'm moving toward. I'm moving toward not getting you to behave right, but helping you to develop and grow in wisdom centered on belief in who God is, who He made you to be, uh, who Jesus is, what it means to walk in repentance and under the umbrella of God's grace and truth. And so we move the focus away from behavior and on to belief. With the belief that even mom and dad, we and I, you know, she and I can't get it right, and so we say that out loud to each other, which gives us grace for each other, and then, and then we say it out loud to the kids, which gives them grace for us, and then it sets a tone for starting to move toward. Well, what are these messages? What are you know, like if if I could be the parent I wanted to be, what kind of parent would I be? Not if I could have the kind of kid that I want to get, how would I get them? But if I could be the kind of parent that I want to be, how would I be that parent? And that's where this framework.
0: Comes from Jim and Lynn took us perfectly from the topic of not parenting with a formula, but really grasping grace for ourselves so that we can show grace. And so a lot of people ask, how does grace mix into our our mothering? How do we weave it into our discipline? And so September and Jeannie Cunyan and Sally Clarkson are back with advice on that.
3: The thing that has encouraged me is I'm learning this whole time with my children, raising them. I'm learning with them. Everything they learn, I'm learning. Everything that um, as they grow to be adults, I'm growing myself. And I have to give myself grace in that sometimes and remember that this this is not, there will never be a moment that I've attained perfect motherhood
5: when my oldest was born, I I know a lot of families do this. You know, you have like a a life verse or a vision statement for your family. And um, ours was Matthew 22, you know, love the Lord God, the the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And so um, I was, I was really parenting out of that law, which is good and perfect and wonderful. And it should be our ultimate, you know, purpose yeah. and goal with our kids. But I was living purely according to the law of God, which essentially tells us what to do. Yeah. And I wasn't living at all by the grace of God, mm-hmm. which tells us what Jesus has already done. Mm-hmm. And that was the radical transformation for me, mm-hmm. was being able to make my starting place uh, what Jesus has already done for me, to stop trying to be for God, what Jesus has already been for me. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think there's two extremes, because when I was raising my children, everything was harsh discipline, mm. and um, everything was so focused on legalism that Clay and I kept trying to write messages of, no, this is this child has a heart and a personality. You need to appeal to who God made them to be. Mm. And so we were talking about discipleship and grace space, but then I feel like sometimes with the, your generation of moms, they go too far the other direction. They don't look at their children and say, I see such a potential for excellence, and I'm going to help disciple you so that you can become the best you can be, but you have to choose to be disciplined and honoring and um, to work hard. And so um, I think it's a both and. It's a calling out the excellence in a person's life. That's what I wanted to do through my book, that we have these spiritual muscles and these emotional muscles, and um, we have such capacity to live amazing lives and to be holy and to be strong and to be godly and to live by faith. But they are muscles in the sense of whatever you don't exercise will not grow strong.
5: I think there's some real misconceptions about what grace is. Grace and parenting. Grace and parenting doesn't mean like, I love you. It's okay. Let's hug. A free for all. Um, A free for all. Yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not a uh, free pass to sin. It's, um, you know, I hear this expression, like, how do I balance grace and discipline? I get Mm. that question a lot. And as far as I understand it, this isn't, it's not a balancing act. Um, It's how do we weave grace into discipline? That's the question. Because if we want to lead and love our kids, the way our heavenly father leads and loves us, then they're then there are boundaries and um, there's training and instruction and discipline and consequences. You know, the Lord disciplines those he loves and helping my kids understand that my my training and instruction and discipline comes from this deep well of love for them. You know, as your mom, it is my job to train and instruct you to raise you to be um, a godly, strong, brave, courageous, kind man. And so everything I'm going to do is going to
0: be out of this Out of this place of love. I know that helped me clarify a little bit more how grace gets woven into discipline, but then I was really curious about some specific examples. So, Jeannie gives me a little bit more advice on what to do when kids' brothers are hitting each other and what are some specific ideas for handling behavior situations and going towards my children with grace, but still holding the line and expectation. So, here are Jeannie's tips.
5: How in that moment that you just described where my boys are hitting each other and name calling and you know falling apart, how do I approach that situation with the message of there is nothing you can do to make me love you less and there is nothing you can do to make me love you more? And mm-hmm. out of that place, this is what's going to go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about, um, I think about, honestly, this idea of putting the cross between us. Like mm-hmm. as I am approaching them, if I can just see the cross, if I can just see Jesus it changes the way i react to them because if i don't go into that situation from a place of grace then i end up disciplining them from a place of shame mm. and and you know shame is you know there's Jesus doesn't use shame with us and so if i want to reflect the heart of Christ in the way i instruct and discipline then i have to remove all of the shame all of the condemnation there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ mm. however and I might have talked about this with Kat, but it's been so powerful for me. is understanding that just because there's no vertical condemnation from Jesus doesn't mean that there are horizontal consequences. Yeah. Um, and there's like in the book, I talk about the what, why, how, and now discipline. And so a situation like that is where I would implement that. What just happened? That's the question I ask. What What just went down? And I let them each tell me in their sentences that have to start with I. They can't tell their brother's story. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why, the why. Why did that happen? Um, And this is the part where we get to talk about, well, at the end of the day, we're all fallen and broken. And so, uh, you know, we tend to put ourselves before somebody else. And Mm. so so that's the why part. And then how is the how could you have done that differently?
0: Mm. If
5: we're going to treat each other how we want to be treated, then how could you have handled that situation differently, both in your physical reaction, but also in your words? And then the now is either the consequence or the mercy moment. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times you can tell as it's amazing the way when you approach them with grace in that way, it's amazing what the Holy spirit will do in a situation like that. And kind of working, they work it out on their own. They're yeah. asking, they have to ask and answer hard questions in that. And, and you can see the sorrow or you can see the repentance come just from being able to verbalize and articulate the way they have offended their brother or the way they let their sin win in that situation. Making our kids feel bad won't make them want to be good. That's yeah. what I have to always remember. Like, that's the shame thing. Like, making you feel bad here is only going to lead you deeper into despair. It's in the book about how much obedience do we expect and then how quickly do we expect it? Mm. Um, and I, I call it the R&R principle, which is um, I expect them to be respectful and I try to be reasonable. So it's respectful and reasonable um, and so I've taught my kids whenever I ask them something, I, I want them to acknowledge that, they've, that they have heard it. So it's always like, a, can I please have a yes, mom? Mm. And then if they can be respectful and say, yes, mom, can I finish this book? Versus I'm not done with my, you know, like, I'm just, I'm trying to train them in a respectful way so that we, it's more of a conversation instead of this law driven all the way, right away, perfectly every day. Like, Mm. I'm just trying to have more grace in the conversations. It's like the example that you just gave with Sally. It's like, go wash your hands versus I love your beautiful hands. Let's go get them clean. Mm.
0: Um, If you can't get enough of Jeannie Cuny, oh my goodness. I could just listen to her on repeat. And she has the book, The Wholehearted Child, but she also was on the God Center Mom podcast twice, episode 55 and episode 91 that we just did. And really, I need to hear like her grace words. Daily, like on repeat, if I could have it be like my ringtone on my phone, that would be awesome. So up next, we have Jim and Lynn, and we're kind of moving towards who do you see yourself? Like what identity do you hold for yourself? Do you see yourself in Christ? Because that truly will pour out into your children's lives. So here are Jim and Lynn Jackson from ConnectedFamilies.org. org. Um.
1: You know, the the primary message that we want to communicate to our kids out of our foundation, which really kind of what's going on in me emotionally and spiritually, um, the, the primary message we want to communicate to them is that they are safe with us. And that means we have to unpack our baggage as parents <laughs> and really understand it and own our part of the misbehavior when we have a brouhaha with our kids. Um, and it also means we have to really look at calming ourselves down in the heat of the moment so that we're safe so unpacking the baggage part that's kind of a a spiritual journey for parents
6: you know i think that just this idea like what lynn talked about she had this tape playing we talk we ask parents all the time to say out loud like what are the recurring thoughts that you have and then and then and then literally just take those to the lord am i speaking truth to myself or am i not Mm -hmm. um i'm the dad so so i should be respected Uh, I shouldn't have to go through this. Uh,
1: This kid is driving me crazy. This
6: kid is a train wreck. This kid is driving me crazy. We say these things either in our mind or even, like, as parents, we say them to our friends or we say them to our our spouses. And, 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 um, you know, to just start learning to listen to the things that are coming out of us about our kids, whether it's a, a thought or a statement we make to somebody else or sometimes even something that we say to our kid, you are just a pain in my neck. Well, if I said that out loud, then that was in me. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And it's my job to say, oh, Lord, am I saying truth about my child, about myself? And to take so, you know, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive to Christ's obedience. You know, we've got a great opportunity by paying attention to these things that we repeat over and over again to ourselves or say out loud to friends or even to our kids. We have a great opportunity to, to say, ask the question, is that from you, Lord, or is that from someplace else and if it's from someplace else it's a lie from the pit of hell satan's job is to kill and steal and destroy and those statements we you know if we're not saying out loud what they are are they either truth or are they lies and if they're lies then take them captive to christ's obedience confess them to god confess them to our kids and let god's grace wash over us we need mm-hmm. god's grace to displace that stuff so i'm just a failure as a parent i just can't get this I mean those are okay so is that true or is that false? Um, well that's false. So what's the truth? What would God say to you in a moment of despair? You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Do we sit in places and let God wash that over us with with truth? Not because we behave right, but because we're going after him and we're seeking him and we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior and, and, and want by faith to claim the identity that is ours in Christ.
5: So much of my identity was wrapped up in the kind of mom I was. Yeah, um, I wasn't first and foremost in the, in Brennan Manning's words, a radically accepted and beloved child of God, mm. right? That, yeah. that wasn't my core. My core was being a really good mom, raising really good kids that Jesus would be proud of.
1: Right.
5: Um, and so, so much of our identity can get wrapped up in, who we are as moms. So when we make little mistakes like that, if that's your whole identity, that really actually can put you in a, in a downward spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and also I think there's this lie that parents, uh, buy into, which is, you know, what we get right and what we get wrong is ultimately going to determine who our children become.
0: Mm. And going along with our mind and where's our mind and who does Christ say we are, I couldn't help but include this little clip from an amazing woman from our church, Vicki Kraft, who is now in the presence of Jesus and her wonderful insight on grace. Here it is.
2: God's grace is sufficient. He tells us that. My grace is enough. That's the idea. My grace is is enough for you, he said Mm. to Paul when he said three times take away this physical thorn. He said, my grace is enough. Mm. But it's only there when we need it. Mm. It's not when we imagine some awful things going to happen. If you spend your time thinking, You know, one of my kids, well, what would I do if one of my children died? Or what would I do if my husband died? Or what would I do if, when you read about the terrible things happening to other people, what would I do if that happened to me? But there's no grace for your imagination.
0: And speaking of imagination, I don't know if you're this type of mom, but I know for myself, I see a certain behavior in my kids and I project out what they're going to look like. And I worry if I'm doing the right thing, how are they going to turn out so much of my time? is consumed with making sure they turn out right. And so here are some thoughts from September, McCarthy, Leslie, Jim and Lynn on what do we do? These are these are parents who've gone before. They have grown children and here is some words of wisdom that they have for what really matters and what to focus on.
3: Before Ben got married, he had written me a letter. And um, at Mother's Day, and, you know, I got to thinking maybe I should read this because, you know, mothers of boys or even mothers of teenage girls, we don't always know what's going on in their heart. And um, it's just a 2 paragraph letter, but um, I just want to read that. I think you can, you can um, take from this what he just said. Um, I'm eternally thankful for you, Mom. Your faithfulness to the Lord is and has been directly manifested in all other areas of your life. You never-ceasing pursuit of the Lord has built such an incredible heritage baton, and I couldn't be more thankful to take it, run with it, and give it to the next generation. You and Dad have begun a work that will have an impact for generations to come. The Lord is good, and He continues to be faithful to my life verse that you and Dad prophesied over me. Thank you for wanting the best for me and the rest of our kids and our family. I love you deeply. Your son, Ben. And I read this, and it makes me think about Um, when he wrote that letter, he didn't thank me for taking him to sports and he didn't thank me for taking him to Mm. music class and for all the things that wore me out. He thanked me for my pursuit after God. And it made me really think more about what I'm doing with the other kids, you know, the other children.
2: I, I think I learned through the years of mothering that I really had very little control Mm -hmm. And that I needed to pray more and use less words. I think at the beginning, I was always telling my children what to do and instructing and teaching and training. And not that you, do, you don't do that, but I would encourage young moms now to maybe to say less, to use less words and to pray more for their, their children.
6: You've said it out loud, and so for Lynn and I, we said it out loud, and then our kids were, you know, getting on in years. And literally, as our oldest was approaching junior high, we sometimes looked at each other and said, Is this are we nuts? Like, <laughs> is this really have, bearing fruit in, the, in our kids' lives? No, because they still acted up the way impulsive, ADHD, closely in age, closely in proximity kids act, and and we would do what we do, and and sometimes they would comply and sometimes they wouldn't and we would still get frustrated and then one day right along in there uh, you know, a few different things happened but one of the profound things was I came home from work kind of stressed out one day and I came in the door and the kids were fighting and that that kind of tipped me over like oh. and I, I launched into them kids don't you know and I, I'm coming home and I'm tired and you're fighting and your bickering is not okay give me that magazine they were fighting over a magazine at the dining room table My oldest son, ninth grade at the time, I think, or or so, looks up at me and just says, hey, dad, you didn't connect first.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And and I was like, oh,
6: he's right. But because he had permission to say that already, the back of this defiance was broken a little bit. And then I said, you're right. I'm sorry. Can I have a do-over? Which for us was a big thing. If I wasn't the kind of parent I want to be, can I have a do-over? Uh, If we weren't the kind of people we wanted to be, let's do a do-over. If you came in the door and threw your stuff around the way that we've been talking not to, um, why don't you make that right today by just having a do-over and doing it again the way we've talked about it. And Let's see how that goes. But So I went out into the garage. I prayed. I calmed myself. I I came back in with my do-over, and already the kids were calmer were more receptive to me, I to them, and connection was restored, and we went on in a, you know, a very constructive way with our lives. But that, I, that's not a formula I can teach people or that we can teach people to do. It's a set of four ideas that you grow in, that you steep in, that live with you, that grow with you, uh, as the Spirit makes it uniquely your journey as a parent to deliver the messages of grace and truth to your kids in the nitty-gritty stuff of life.
0: I'm curious with the four things Jim mentioned In that little clip, he and his wife, Lynn, were interviewed uh, with me, and I split it into two episodes, episode 80 and 81, and they talk more about their philosophy at ConnectedFamilies.org, but basically the connecting before you deal with behavior, and I just really love their philosophy. I love how God-centered they are, how he said to lean into the Spirit, but as busy moms, how do we make God a part of our parenting? How do we seek Him? How How do we be filled with the Spirit and His Word? So I'm gonna ask Leslie Johnson that question and Sally Clarkson is gonna weigh on on how we make God's love real. How do our children really know God?
2: I would say first and foremost, um, to you gotta get up and um you've gotta spend time with the in the word with the Lord. And I know um the whole inspired to action uh, getting up and doing that I think has been a great encouragement to young moms so put that in your little resource thing but I just think getting up and spending time with God every day it's, it's like filling your glass straight from the well of the Lord and you need your cup to be full all the way to the top sloshing over because you are giving out of that glass all day First, to your, to your husband. I mean, we're not even talking about husbands here, but boy, they need a lot of sloshing stuff coming out of our cups. And then to all the kids that God's giving you, your cup has to be full of Him, the Lord, or you're going to be, there's not going to be anything sweet to slosh on them. So I would say spending time in the Word. And one one thing that I was encouraged when I was a young mom was to keep have your Bible out and keep it open mm. on the kitchen counter, or on your desk, or have it in, have several Bibles or devotionals, uh, your Jesus calling, um, your utmost, my atmosphere is highest, all those kind of devotional books, and just read it as you can, because gone are the days when you can sit down and have like this hour long, amazing time with the Lord, but you can carve out ten minutes. While your kids are eating at the breakfast table and maybe even reading out loud to them, even if they're just a baby, for them to hear the word of God, how awesome is that? But that encouraged me when I was um, a young mom was to, um, I had a, a mentor, um, Vicki Craft, at, at church. She, she encouraged us to just keep our Bible out and just to read it as we could And to write scripture down on note cards and put it all over in your car at the changing table at the sink to be meditating on his word. And I think listening to um, good music, uh, scripture music and music that's uh, beautiful and edifying and is is kind of reinforcing that is is very Um, important. I heard
0: a sermon about our children and them knowing a lot about God, but maybe not yada the hebrew for knowing god like really Mm -hmm. knowing and desiring and pursuing god versus having a lot of christian knowledge and book knowledge and
1: some people just think that god is a a thought or Mm. a theological idea to be known and he is the living vibrant um wild not to be contained god and i would just um the more i fell in love with him and i would say oh look he painted the guys red for us tonight and we would sit on the deck and eat great things and love each other and camp out under the stars. And, um, you know, I would just tell them that I couldn't believe that I got to be their mom and Mm -hmm. that they were such a treasure to me because God called me his treasure. And so I think that the, um, all of us long for deeper emotional intimacy and friendship and love, even though we make mistakes. And so the more I would ponder God and um, engage in His life in my own heart. Then they were drawing from my heart all of the excellencies and the realities and the depth of God.
0: Oh, Sally! I mean, the way she weaves the words—you just want to just love your kids so they know God more. I. Absolutely adore what she has to say. If you've never heard of Sally or read any of her books, definitely check out Ministry of Motherhood. She takes discipleship knowledge and applies it to our motherhood. And also Own Your Life uh, is great. It's a new book. And Sally has her last season of conferences coming up this spring. She also has a podcast. Check it out. And so next up, the very last part of our show today is just really asking for help, reaching out to friends. Sally's got some thoughts my mentor, Leslie, who is over at com, in September, McCarthy. I'll tell you more about her in just a minute,
1: but here we go. Because we are constantly being drained by these little people who want to eat and wear clothes and yeah, and you know, constantly need correction, um, we also need to remember that, and this is a part of what I wrote in Own Your Life, we need to love who we are, forgive ourselves. Mm. We need to accept God's love. We need to engage in things that encourage our lives and hearts. We need to do fun things for ourselves. We need to be with friends Mm -hmm. and giggle and laugh. And um, we need to make time to refresh so that these little ones who are drawing from us constantly are going to have freshness, not exhaustion because it is pretty hard Mm -hmm. to keep going and keep going and keep going without lots of help. It would be number one that we all need
3: help at different stages of their motherhood, and I would just encourage women not to be afraid to ask for help and to accept it because, you know, I'm on um, both ends of the spectrum. I still have little ones, and I still have um, a 22-year-old, but I still need – there's days that I do need help, and so I've learned not to be afraid to ask.
2: Well, it is a very awesome trick and a trick that all these mommies can do so easily. I would just – I talked to like one or two friends, and I told them, hey, gals, sometimes when I'm a little sad, sad, that's kind of what I call it, being sad, sad. I don't even have the energy to call you or to explain. I don't even sometimes know why I'm sad, sad. And I just said to those couple of friends, I need you to be receptive when I just text you the words pray that you would just get that, that you wouldn't call me and go, well, what's going on or because well, I'm not ready to talk about it, that you would just pray for me and that. And then I would do the same for them. And so that has been very encouraging because I think sometimes women, we don't know why we're sad or, or you just feel so overwhelmed. You can't even, you think if I talk to somebody about this, I'm going to be a blubbering mess. And um, I would just text them to say, pray. And sometimes, and they would usually text me back um, praying or something. So I knew that they got it. And that was so encouraging to me. And then later, we could talk about it, but I, I would encourage y'all to, to do that, to find somebody that you can make that little agreement with. And it's it's very life-giving.
0: Oh, I love that advice from Leslie. I need to remember to do that, to have those friends that I can just text pray to. Maybe I'll just text Leslie. Uh, definitely check her out over at CirceGal.com. She and her husband recently went on a month-long trip to Italy, and she's having all these fun little everyday highlights from the trip. Also, we have one last word from September, September McCarthy. She's the mom to 10. She has a story of a lot of um, loss, of infant loss, and she also just has amazing thoughts and wisdom. She hosts a conference on the East Coast in the fall. Uh, it's called Raising Generations, and you definitely need to check that out. She is a amazing, amazing mom. I'm sure you've appreciated her insight in all the little clips. You can check out her episode, episode 15, So here are some great words on eternal perspective from September McCarthy.
3: I was tired. I was physically weak. I was in bed. I ended up in the hospital for a lot of those things and I was just tired and I was tired of being tired Hmm. and tired of losing babies and burying them. We've had to have, you know, a few funerals. And I just remember saying to my husband, I just, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Hmm. And, um, here we are today, and I and I did. I told my son at his after his wedding, we had some time together. He and his wife, and my husband and I, and we just like to we like to chew over things. Our family like we like to sit and rehash and talk about moments. And um, he said, "Well, what what would be like if you had some moments from the wedding, mom, that stood out to you? What would they be?" And I said, "You know, Ben, I said I literally felt." <clears throat> like i was standing in heaven at your wedding and i was watching all that we lived through come to fruition in that moment all of those days all of those hard moments all of the teaching and raising you and walking you and taking you to music lessons and teaching you about character all of those moments it was like i was standing in heaven watching all of that play out. I said that to me was the biggest gift of motherhood I could have ever had. And it made the release so much easier. And I think that's what it is with loss is that you can see things with heaven's perspective and it makes the loss and the release so much better, so much easier.
0: I should have given a Kleenex warning for that one. Sorry. Oh, isn't that, I mean, with my boys, picturing them at their wedding, I just, Imagining all that we've been through, all my struggle to get it right, all of my worries, all of my imaginations that there's no grace for, trying to wrestle with this concept of how do I love them well, but hold the line of discipline? All the things we've been talking about in this episode to just get to the end of that and to see how God has redeemed everything and how he is the one at work in our children's lives. And that like she, September shared, the, the letter that her son wrote her, it was her faith that stood out to him. So many things that we get caught up in our day, sports events and homework and dinner and laundry, and those things have to be done. But making time with God in a priority, knowing his heart, leaning into his spirit, allowing him to heal us, allowing him to speak his identity over us is what really is going to make our parenting the most effective. It's not a bunch of tips. It's not, not a bunch of lists. It's not a bunch of do this, don't do that. Literally the one do I can give you today is to be God-centered. So I hope that you enjoyed my gift. I hope that it encouraged you, that it lifted you up, and more than importantly, that it directed you back to God. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink.